Hello! Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions and interests shape our identity and our lives. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I am a musician and therapist in Los Angeles, and I also happen to be your host. This podcast is produced by Laura Studeris, and for this season, we've partnered up with Under the Radar magazine. If you like what you hear, you can hang out with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at WNB, the podcast. And if you really, really like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We are under Why Not Both podcast. When you join our Patreon, you get a whole bunch of really cool behind the scenes stuff and you get to chat with us. And that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for your support. And I hope you enjoy our interviews. For this episode, we got to hang out with Buzzy Lee, who is a wonderful musician and writer. I personally was pretty much cackle laughing through this entire interview. I hope that you find her just as entertaining as I do. You look like me. That's so funny. I'm like, oh my God, welcome to my podcast. Are we, are we related? Like, are we I, mean, I can share with you my 23andMe DNA. We can compare and contrast. Oh my God. I was debating getting that done. Well, like, it is really funny to see a face and be like, that's sort of my face. Yes. <laughs> so funny. Oh, that makes me so happy. Now I'm just like, oh my God, let's figure out how we're related. <laughs> that's know, right. We're going to, we're going to get down to it. I can't stop laughing. I know it's so funny. That's excellent. Oh my god! Like, yes, and we both do a million things, and we're both raised in LA. I'm like, oh, this makes total sense. Wait, are you a Taurus? Um, I'm actually I'm an Aquarius Pisces cusp. So like, I'm really weird, but I'm very sensitive. Okay, great. Okay, okay. I am here. We are here. Here we are. Okay, yeah. I'm double Taurus Capricorn Moon. Wow. So you're like really cozy and get things done. I'm in my bed right now in sweats and socks. <laughs> so, and I'm getting an interview done. So <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> it's so bad. I have a rule with myself where I cannot be in the bedroom between 9am and 9pm. Because if I'm in bed, it does a bed is not an office but i treat it as such and i need to get better about like going to my kitchen and yep. sitting in the light at a table <laughs> <laughs> well especially during this time i've made like i don't know what you've done in your space but i've made almost like differentiated space within my home that's like my different spots like right now i'm in my like podcasting music making spot where it's Ooh. like I bought like a chair just for this area of my living room, like a psycho, where it's like, oh, it's like, oh this is the chair for when I'm podcasting and making music. That's as much this chair. <laughs> oh my God. It's your, yeah. I, I, I see. We all have that chair. So weird how we, I, I'm very, I assign, I definitely assign certain spaces to certain things. I mean, this is very pertinent to the interview, but yeah. Yes. Yes. Cause like, especially when you're juggling a bunch of things and now like, I mean, granted, I, I didn't juggle them always outside my home either, but now everything like is juggled inside your own home and you're like, cool, cool, cool. I'm like still in my house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. And it must be, I would imagine it would be kind of surreal to be like, here's this album I made. I'm in bed. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. It feels like cheating. It feels like I can't, I mean, this whole year has felt like just truly cheating. It feel, and I'm such a, I have to be productive or else, because I, I have deep anxiety. Of course I do. You know, I, I mean, what other, it's, I was raised on the west side of Los Angeles in such privilege. Of course I have anxiety. Why? Yes, it, yes. It, it's one of those things that it's like, <laughs> oh God, another like west side, like private school girl with anxiety. But I truly have such anxiety and it rules my life. And I, um, if I'm not working or distracted and so, or just focusing on something fulfilling, I mm -hmm. am anxious. I have panic attacks. I have like great, you know, crazy spiral. So this year has been so interesting for um, just, yeah, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and I think like you spoke to something that's very specific that it's like if you grew up in LA and you were on the West Side or you went to one of the West Side schools, it's like it builds, it's not even like a work ethic because someone once asked me, they're like, oh my gosh, how do you work so hard on things? And it's like, it's not that, it's more just like some sort of existential dread that if you're not making something that somehow like you're doing it wrong, like something has gone wrong. Like you're so used to doing it. Exactly. And and because you, I went to Marlboro, you went to Harvard West, like those are the most academic of all the schools. And the, I mean, I was working so hard and I was so drained. I mean, I, I, it took a lot for me to get A's. Like I was not an effortless A student. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so interested in the arts. So it was really just, Marlboro was just not the right environment for me, but I'd made it through somehow. But, you know, I, I think it did put, it did, something happened in high school where yes, now to this day, like I have to be, if, even if I have a day off, I have to be reading and learning and watching movies I've never seen. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I feel this vibe so hard and it's hard to explain to people because in some ways it's amazing because then you produce all of this amazing work in all these different spheres and in some ways that's incredibly fulfilling but also when someone's like, hey, so like did you relax and just like binge watch TV? I'm like, huh, what? No. Yeah, what? Oh, oh, and by the way, I did that for a month in quarantine. I binge watched Below Deck Med Mediterranean, wow. and I am not a binge watcher of reality TV, and I fully did it. And by the end, I was like, I just want to let my hair down and go to Ibiza. <laughs> that's where my brain was, and that's when I was like, all right, I, I need to learn chess. Oh. God, that's really funny that you're like, I gave it a solid go. I indulged in the routine of core and just sank in. (laughs) Indulged. Ooh, it was bad. It was bad, but it was great, but it was bad. That's, it's so funny because yeah, like I was like, I'm trying to imagine what that was like. I think the most um, quarantine thing I've done is I did make kumquat jam. Like my friends gave me an insane amount of kumquats from their tree and I was like, wow, this is so exciting. Uh, oh my, what do I do with this? <laughs> That's so lovely. Kumquat jam. I started baking. Ooh, what did in you make? quarantine. I bake, oh my God, I bake so much. I, um, I started with obviously banana bread. Yes. And then awesome. I was like, all right, this is getting too easy. So then I did cinnamon rolls, which I'd never done. Ooh. And then I did Swedish cardamom buns. And oh then God. I started doing pastry. So like eclairs these things called Queenamon uh, from Brittany, France. Um, they're like croissant-like things. It's that lamination. So and then I did good. Yes. Oh my God, you know them. Yes. Yeah, they're so good. <laughs> so I made the, I, that's my specialty. I did a, I did a tart tropezienne. Oh my which God. Is, it's, I went crazy and I became my <laughs> obsession. I also am very bad at self-regulation. So if I start something, it's all I can think about (laughs) and I have to like I am truly that is my very big downfall I once I start I cannot stop so like knitting a blanket I will knit it in three days like a large blanket and it's very bad but (laughs) and I actually wish I could apply it more to music because I think with music I'm so avoidant sometimes and I can sit at a piano and start a song and I actually usually abandon it when it's getting good yes that is I've wondered about that same thing I was talking with um have you heard the composer Oliver Arnolds from Iceland no Oh my god! Uh, oh my god! That sounded really creepy the way I said that, but it was more of an admiration <laughs> and the fact that I'm congested because there was something on fire at sunset in Los Angeles last night. Wait, um, I smelled it too. Yes, I woke oh, up. My allergies. I had to take a Zyrtec. Oh no, I'm going. Ah, crazy. same. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, if I sound malevolent or like Grover from Sesame Street, it's it's just congestion. From- <laughs> no, you sound great. <laughs> Of course. I, by the way, I regularly get COVID tested because of my allergies. And I swear at some point they're just going to be like, Pam, you're back. You don't have COVID. You're still allergic to everything. Yes. (laughs) Wait, I, you are, we are cousins. I am truly that I get tested (laughs) twice a week. They do like some sites. I mean, some sites don't know my name, but some, some do. Some have started to learn my name because Mm -hmm. it's been nine months of testing Mm -hmm. twice a week. They recognize you. Yep. And yep. 
I, cause I have debilitating allergies, um, which only started when I was like 27. So I had Me 27. Too. Stop. What? What? I'm allergic to dogs and dust. I'm allergic to cats and dust. <laughs> oh, good Lord. It's, I'm so sorry. By the way, you might appreciate this. When my friends would have a would have allergies before I you know before I got them, I was like, oh my god, can they please just stop whining? This is so, it's just allergies. It's nothing. <laughs> oh my god, allergies knock me out. Brutal. They're brutal. They're so bad for every friend that I've kind of like pushed aside. I just I feel I got my <laughs> karma. It's pretty much it's like if you don't take allergy meds you can't breathe and you're kind of sleepy. But then if you do yeah. take allergy meds, like you can breathe, but you're kind of sleepy and also maybe like half brain capacity. No, like exactly. you're at least like a quartile down in intelligence. Exactly. And so, like, <laughs> so I don't know what to do because in COVID time, like, as you know, it's really, I'm getting tested all the time because I have, you know, allergies make me also achy. So I get yes. like, Sneezy, headache, achy, throat, coughing, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. all the symptoms of COVID. Yep. And yep. I just don't know what to do. You know, I started, I did, yeah, I do Flonase every day. This is very Excellent. exciting content. I'm sure <laughs> everyone really cares about this, but <laughs> niche content that we're here for. <laughs> we're just here, we're Zyrtec bitches. <laughs> it's like ad, can we get sponsored? Some Allegra D. <laughs> Get the really good stuff. <laughs> oh my god. By the way, this is an ad. This was all planned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hashtag ad, hashtag right. partner. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, and it's like I get you with the whole with the allergy karma thing like my dad has allergies and my sister had them as a kid but then something flipped in our late 20s my sister's allergies got way better and yeah. all of a sudden I was like instantaneously allergic to everything and I was like whoa, whoa. <laughs> what, the what the heck happened it's just so yeah. unfair I was like now what? you and I by the way, I think you and I probably will have this for the next 15 years because I do know it then it goes away again. So I, yes. think, I think we only have like 15 more years of this. Serious. Oh, yeah. Why did I say, oh, my God, in the first place? All for Arnold's. He was talking about in our interview this one thing about like when you're working on a piece and you feel like you've kind of like hit a wall that he's like, that's the most important time to like sit with yourself he's like to sit with that like discomfort because I get that too when I'm composing and it starts getting good it almost like mm. freaks me out and makes me want to stop that's so I I you know I say this to myself constantly and it's because someone said that the greatest gift you can give yourself in life is to be able to sit in discomfort and that is so I think about that all the time. It's just sitting in uncertainty and sitting in the discomfort is, it is the greatest gift. If you can do that, you can do anything. Yes. Um, but it's hard. I haven't fully mastered it because I, yeah, I go, I go to write, I start something that's really exciting. I'm really into it. And then I just stop and I go on my phone or I like mm -hmm. start mm -hmm. cleaning, cleaning my place or, I, you know, it's, and it's, it is full avoidant behavior. But um, yeah, you're so right. The discomfort and just pushing through. It's the weirdest feeling because I do the same thing and it's like, it takes practice. I found that sometimes yeah. I'll put my phone in like airplane mode and I'll find myself even like, I'll open my own photos and start like mm -hmm. scrolling through the photos. And I'm like, wow, I'm really attached to like avoiding this. <laughs> I'm looking yeah. at the photographs mm -hmm. that I've taken in my own camera roll. That's um, what I do. Exactly. I do the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like just being nice to myself and being like, oh, you must be really scared right now of something. Yeah. I don't know what, but like, okay. Do you, I guess, do you write, yeah. I guess, do you write alone or do you write with others? Cause I know on this album, you worked closely with another musician producer and I was like, oh, what's that process like? Yeah. So that, um, Nico and I have been collaborating for years and years and years since freshman year of college. Um, and, and we, on the first EP that he produced, 
we, I came in with a couple songs that were finished. And then I came in with germs of ideas that he and I fleshed through together. And that was mm -hmm. a collaborative process. Um, but after the EP, I just really started writing songs start to finish, not coming in with seeds of ideas and just coming in with fully fleshed out songs. Mm -hmm. um, because that was the hardest task for me to finish something. Um, and so for this record, I came to Nico with fully finished songs and our collaboration was very different in this during the over this record I mean it was definitely collaborative and there were two songs we sort of did together um but then the rest you know I it was just me and my piano yeah that's such a different experience and I was like what I guess what helped you then push through and get through those moments of like oh I just want to get up and like go clean my apartment slash go play on my phone slash literally do anything but write this song. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that, so I was dating someone who I tend to get lost in other people. That is my sort of disease in a way. Like I just nodded stagely. I'm like, mm, this is relatable content. Oh, yes, yes. I really, because that's also avoidant behavior. I can take myself away from myself by losing myself in someone else. And I fell in love with this musician who was so prolific. He is so prolific. And it became a pretty unhealthy relationship. And I was in it for four years and we went through so much together that it was almost like trauma bonded in a way. And it was um, codependent and it was very, very low lows, which made for very, very high highs. Yes. And so it was addictive yes. in a way where yeah. like we could not quit each other. Yes. Um, so he was really because he, when he would tell me to do something I would just do it like if he told me to wear like a woven blanket and a you know Stetson hat like <laughs> I would do it he'd be like <laughs> on it bring yeah, me the he, blanket like, me, exactly if he gave me like a Gene Clark record I'd listen to it front to back like I was willing to learn him I just wanted to take like study him and mm -hmm. you know get my like PhD in him and I really, he said, you do not finish songs. Mm -hmm. you, you need to finish a song. You need to be able to, if someone says, oh, do you have any songs I can hear? You need to be able to go to a piano and play it from front yeah. to back. Yeah. And I was like, of course, master. Like, I mean, truly like, <laughs> I'm sorry, not master. That's terrible. Sorry. I mean, like, of course, you know. My brain went to I Dream of Genie, so like, you're cool. It's fine. Yeah, no, I went to Igor, <laughs> Igor, or like, you know, remember Eagle? Oh my Eagle. God! Yes, yes, Master, put the candle back. <laughs> That's who I think of. But yes, it was a very much Eagle or whatever. Yes, and yes. I said, whatever you say. So to sort of show off to him, I started doing it. So, and then once I started doing it, I was like, oh, this is cathartic as heck. And yeah. then I started putting the focus, like turning focus back on myself. And it's mm -hmm. funny, once I started doing that, he, the, the relationship became way more rockier. Wow. So, but, but I did get so many songs out of that. So I'm very grateful to him, but yeah. I was like, that's like the best souvenir that quite accidentally by like, not dissing you. Like, I'm like, that's not mean to say like, you don't finish songs. It is somewhat critical, but it's like, it resulted in something amazing. Yeah. And then you were like, oh, I don't think I actually need this person anymore. He was really, he really was prolific and he has like 10 albums and he's only like 32 or something. Oh my God. And he's very prolific. And he, I was so in awe of like what he could do. And so I sort of was just trying to copy him a bit. And then in copying him, I, yeah, I, I finally, you know, I've started my own. Cause I, I also was so used to working on songs with my brother, Theo, because mm -hmm. we had a band together for 10 years. And so oh. we would finish each other's songs. So I was always, oh. I, you know, easier. And so then the solo stuff started because I was able to finish a song. Yes. That's fascinating that you say that. Cause I was talking to another, um, my bestie, she and I met playing a show together like years and years ago. Um, but she has a bandmate and like, I've always been solo, but I will invite people to like either record with me or sometimes play live with me. But like, it really is like more of a solo project. And mm -hmm. she, she's like, she's like, how do you do that? Cause she's like, she expressed exactly what you did. That's a totally different dynamic, especially writing songs with your brother. I'm like, that's so sweet. I'm like, I love that. <laughs> it was, you know what? It is the best. And I will probably be writing with him till the end of time. Um, I think we, 
we only got into trouble or not trouble, but we had, you know, touring together because like we are siblings. So when one of us gets hangry, like mm-hmm. I'm the one getting the, you know, it's and vice versa. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it, we were touring with a band of like six at some points and five. And so it was a lot of just, you know, loading on, loading off, loading on, loading off. And with the buzzy stuff, I just, I was like, I don't want to hire a keyboardist. I don't really, you know, I'm not a great pianist, but I was like, I don't want to hire another keyboardist. And I kind of just want to use this guitarist slash musical director who is amazing. His name's Ben Fletcher. And he does all the Marina and the Diamonds, you know, uh, you know, records and, and he was MD and, um, he is just incredible. And I, we sort of developed this really great duo thing where he would use the sampler and play guitar while I played keyboard and sang. And it was just a two person band and it made for touring. It just, touring was so easy. We would get, we didn't have a a tour manager. So it was just us driving this like rental, like sedan kind of. And we just had the best time touring together and we would laugh so hard. And it was just, just, it was a great experience. And I think Theo and I would actually, if we, if it was just us touring together, we'd also have that experience too. Um, I think touring with just one or two other people is just what a dream that is, but well, who's going to, I mean, we'll see if that happens again. I was going to say, I was just like, I never thought I'd be nostalgic for playing live because I get so nervous before I play live. But like, I was like, oh my God, I actually want to play live again. (laughs) Do you have, do you have, do you get, you have stage fright? I do. I think it's weird. Like, do you experience that at all? Or are you like, oh my God, I can't wait to play. Oh no. I, well, no, now, well, I second guess myself. So once I'm in the rhythm of playing, I don't have stage, right? Of course I have the butterflies like right before going on and Mm -hmm. walking on stage. Mm -hmm. But the second I play the first note, I'm usually good to go. But I do have like the pre-show pace that I do with my guitarist and we do a pace, we call it the pre-show pace and we just sort of walk in different directions. And (laughs) I totally, but now that I've been out of it for so long, I'm totally like, I'm going to probably be in my head. I'm going to be like, oh, it's been so long. Well, I still remember how to do it. And, you know, I second guess myself often. Yeah, I think that you just, you totally hit on something that it's like when you're playing all the time, it's like you don't have time to be freaked out almost. Um, yeah. There's not when you're playing maybe like once a month, you really get to build up to like being freaked out at least in my experience. (laughs) Yeah, and the anticipation. And I actually, I hate playing for friends and family. Like that is- Play for strangers. Oh, I would rather, yeah. My my best shows have been for complete strangers. I don't even know a single person in the room. And um, because I went to school on the East Coast, I have a lot of friends who are like living in Chicago and Austin. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, not that that's on the East Coast, but just in terms of like, <laughs> you know, when you go to like a liberal arts school, then everyone sort of spreads out across the, yes. so I'm always yes. having guests uh, coming to shows, like friends, like old college friends. But, you know, my best shows have been in, like, St. Louis, I think, like, where there's no no friends, and it just was, you know, I love those shows, but yes. it's also, um, yeah, playing for family is my absolute nightmare. I played for, the last time I played for my parents was, they came to a show in Amsterdam, and it was at this festival, and so it was completely sold out, and the room was completely full, and I think they thought it was just all for me. <laughs> which was so cool and I hope they never find out that it was a festival but like I think never they thought it was them. all for me and it was it I felt so cool because <laughs> the room was like packed and my parents couldn't even they had to like squeeze and they were just they were so proud but I think they would they would have been proud if maybe two people were there like they just are very proud I think well I hope Oh, that's like, I'm like, that sounds cocky, but no, I mean, you know what I mean? So sweet though. Cause yeah, it's like, I feel like in some ways that might be why, at least for me, it's scary to play for my family is that like, neither of my parents are in the arts, but both of them are huge arts appreciators. Yes. Um, Low key. I'm the weirdo musician therapist, daughter of two lawyers. Um, I don't don't know what happened. No, that is so cool that you're a therapist and a musician. That is so cool. Like, I want you to be my therapist. (laughs) Please. <laughs> we all need it in 2020. <laughs> oh my God. I am the biggest proponent. I just absolutely adore therapy. Actually, to be completely honest with you, I had an emergency 25 minute call with my therapist, literally a minute before getting onto the podcast and I was crying. So I, 
Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I, uh, I was like, not I'm glad that you're crying, but I'm glad that you were like, I'm going to be resourceful and reach out to my therapist. And I was like, yes, good. Yes. Oh, I love it. I am, I am not afraid to reach out. That is actually, I wish I could do more reaching in because <laughs> I think I relied too much on other people to help me. Um, so... <laughs> One of my clients said they were like, I like that you're available. They're like, not because I always need you, but just that I know that at least someone is there if I really do need someone. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm a big proponent of, I do therapy and I do coaching and it's like, I've seen the benefits in my life. And also like my favorite things in the world are making things and helping people. So I'm like the fact that I get to do both of those. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. It's so nice. Gosh. And that's why, I mean, that's why this, this is a great subject. It's like doing a bunch of things at once. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I started the podcast is I was like, there's gotta be other people who do like a bunch of things at the same time. Yeah. Here, here yeah. we are. Here we are. Um, cause I was just like, you write songs and it also, it was funny. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to look you up on Wikipedia. <laughs> like, you have a wiki page. Um, oh my God. I'm like, you also do like screenwriting and acting. And I was just like, it must be a weird time in a way because I was like, oh, those are so many cool ways to tell stories. And right now, since we're all like at home, yeah. we all are craving storytelling in a way and entertainment, but it's hard to like actually get that stuff out to people. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I'm working on a couple things right now with my writing partners and it, it, it's definitely incubation period it's like or not incubation it's it's the writing period but I I the fact that I equate that to incubation period you know I, I I'm such a I need fast fixes um I'm like such a validation addict and I need like quick you know you know that's why that's why Instagram is so problematic for me because I used to really rely on it to get those, you know, I think as everyone else does yep. probably, but yep. yeah. And then there's just the, but so I've learned over the years to sort of calm that part of me and trust the process and really just like know that things take time, but I've been working on, yeah, a couple of things for so long and it's been great to have this time in quarantine to keep working on them. But then you know, I get very antsy and I'm like, can we just, you know, can this get made? Yes. <laughs> You're like, is it real yet? How about now? No, I know. I think that's the thing. It's like, when you're working as, you know, quote unquote freelance, you know, you, mm -hmm. I think it's hard to find worth in whatever you do. And that's the problem. Like, because monetary worth is so not the same as like self-worth or what writing something for you and feeling yes. creatively fulfilled. Yes. Yes. Because sometimes like, I don't know if you've had this experience, but some of the things that I haven't been very, um, I guess like creatively attached to have been mm -hmm. quote successful. Like they've been like monetarily successful. Whereas nice. other things that I'm like really emotionally invested in, like sometimes I'll get really positive, like fan response from it and like feedback on it, but it's not as monetarily successful. And so it's like this weird dichotomy of like, which like, one, well, which one makes you, which one do you prefer? I mean, that's, obvious probably obviously the fulfilling one but yeah but it's weird because then you're like do I make more of I remember I did this like this you know, little fashion commercial for Nicole Richie's line Harlow or Winter Harlow oh uh, gosh Harlow Winter oh god I'm sorry um it was I'm like now, Harlow, wasn't it like a year it was like Harlow in a year or something am I remembering that wrong was, oh god it was oh yeah maybe it was like Harlow 19 I don't know 70, so I don't know. I feel but it like was, I didn't know this. She went to my preschool, but I don't remember. Oh my god! <laughs> I I think she's like one of the smartest, funniest people. She's so, I just absolutely adore her. Um, but I had just graduated college, and she wanted me to be her like muse for Aww. this commercial, which I love. Which I was, I felt so great because I was like, no, I'm so not fashiony. And then she <laughs> put me in this little, you know, spot yes. for winter. Winter Kate, I think, was the line or something. Uh, anyway, so I did that, and she was like, we want you to score it with the ukulele. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And so I did a really, really simple ukulele like humming and or humming over a ukulele and they used it and then you know I was now I'm a composer no but I mean that's hilarious I was just like we have to be related because like both of us have had unusual success humming with a ukulele I'm like that's yeah, that's uncanny well done it's uncanny. 23 and me 23 and me um, but also then Sarah Ramos, who's one of my friends, made a short film for um, BB Dakota about like mm -hmm. four years ago. And she had me hum over piano for her score. So it was really like the humming is 
I like humming scores. I'm so in favor of this. I literally, I hummed and I, at one point, like I doo-doo-dooed the score. Like doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-do
like, because when you're talking about that, I was like, oh my God, that would be hilarious in a screenplay. And I was thinking of Booksmart, but I was thinking of how like Booksmart is so specific to LA, but also yeah. I, I did watch it with people who aren't from LA that like it resonated in ways that I was like, oh, okay, I can see how this resonates. But if you're from LA, you're like, this is my life. Yes, exactly. And it is a weird, I mean, did you go away for college? Did you leave I LA? I did. I left LA. I went to a tiny liberal arts college in Washington state because I wanted okay. the opposite of LA just to see what it was like, frankly. Yeah, totally. And then I came back to LA. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I did that. I did the same. I did the same. But that is, yeah, I think like going away and then kind of trying to explain LA to people. And then when my friends from like you know, my best friend and from college is from DC. And she, you know, it's a very, it's almost like LA in the way that we see it. You know, it's, yeah, it's a very different type of, <laughs> but it has the same, the way that Hollywood is to LA, like politics is to DC. Yes. And so she got it, but she was like, this is a circus. Like she came to LA, I think, and we were driving around and on like a Tuesday, a random Tuesday at like 1.30 PM. And we drove past a dog park and she was like, does anyone have jobs here? <laughs> it was packed. And she was like, what is everyone doing at a dog park at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday? And it's so LA. It's like, by the way, it's, it's so like, sorry, it's not LA. It's gentrified LA. That's gentrified what it is. Gentrified LA. Yes. Exactly. Yes. It's not like real LA, but it is the east side of LA or sometimes the west side. Just what is everyone doing, including myself? I'm driving past that dog park at 2 p.m. <laughs> You're like, I'm on my way to do whatever. I might be at the dog park. Yes. I don't even have a dog. I just like dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I love dogs. <laughs> and it's strange because when you're talking about like the pacing of your projects that it's like, there's so much work that goes into like the storytelling work that we do in all these media that it's like, it's completely inchoate to someone who's not in these fields. Like it's, right. like, it's like all of a sudden then people get the end product. Like they're going to get your album, which is magnificent, but they don't know like what the process is unless they make albums or same thing with like when you're actually sure. writing screenwriting and things like that. There's so yeah. much that precedes the final product. Yeah. Like maybe years of just like the wandering around dog parks that people are like, wait, that led to this. <laughs> totally. Oh my God. Completely. It's like Charlie Kaufman who was with it at a dog park and then he wrote that. It's just, Exactly. <laughs> Charlie Pop Charlie Kaufman goes to dog parks too. Yeah. On a Tuesday. Yep, that's the tweet. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it is that's so it is true. And I I remember again this prolific ex of mine. He said, you know, because sometimes I'd come home and he'd be watching like TV all day from like eleven AM to ten PM and not doing wow. anything. And I had a hard time because I wasn't I was being quote unquote productive, but mm -hmm. I was just making general meetings and, and doing things that actually didn't lead to something mm -hmm. maybe that I would do long-term, but it felt like work in the moment. But yes. he then would watch TV all day for like 10 hours and then come up with the most beautiful lyric out of nowhere and then go back to watching TV. And that was his process. Like he wow. would just... So everyone has such different ways of, you know, coming up with the work they come up with. So yeah, it's 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. Those people could then like write, you know, Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's, it's so bizarre. And like you were talking about before, like kind of that instantaneous validation versus having to wait like that's one thing that actually my friend who produces the podcast with me really taught me because I started this on my own and then she's actually a travel writer and music writer and can really do neither this year um because yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but she was like the first music journalist who'd ever written about me we've been friends for years now and she was mm -hmm. like hey do you want me to like hop in and produce with you and I didn't super understand what that meant at the beginning, but what she showed me is that like it's consistency, even when you don't see immediate validation. Like, but that's it's so good to have that balance of the collaborator, someone to just sort of push you, yeah, towards the little milestones because those are the ones that mean the most. Yeah, and like having someone reflect that back, like when you're talking about your long-term collaborator, that then it was very different coming in the studio with like full songs and it sounds like that kind of changed your dynamic but in a way I was like oh I wondered if he helped you kind of like keep your eyes on like the long term of what was happening he definitely did and he knows me so well he knows everything I'm saying right now he's known this about me for 12 years it's like I uh, the need for validation and immediate validation the need to appear to be very doing well and the you know someone there was this would you rather question that always really resonated with me and it was would you rather be feeling 
so terrible on the inside, but have the world think you were thriving or feel good, but be sort of forgotten in the world, you know, quote unquote world. Mm -hmm. It wasn't stated. I could, I cannot remember how it was, but it was basically like, would you rather be happy, but no one sees it or unhappy and everyone thinks you're happy. Um, And it seems like such an obvious answer where it's like, well, I'd rather be happy and like have the, no one would know. But there is in this time of Instagram and social media, I mean, it is so nice to sometimes when I, you know, if I'm in the darkest place to post like a picture of myself that is like somewhat cute or whatever, and then get those like comments and get those likes, it, it, it does do something. And it's very, very delicate because like, yeah, it's not good, but it does do something. So like, you know, if, 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 you know, optics, just, this is a whole thing at optics and how obsessed we are with optics and, and do, uh, does optics do happy optics mean we are happy on the inside and mostly no. And so I now have a rule with my Instagram where if I am in a dark place, I do not go on Instagram. I do not post. I just turn off social media. Yes. <laughs> like, I know I'm not your therapist, but I'm a therapist and like the inner yes. therapist to me is rejoicing that I'm like, yes. <laughs> oh, good. I mean, I, by the way, easier said than done. Uh, Seriously. Yeah. That's why I'm so excited for you is that I'm like, that's really hard because you're right that it's like that witnessing, like you want people to witness you. I was thinking yeah. about that a lot during this time of like, so I caved and finally bought a nap dress. <laughs> like Instagram. Wait, what's it? What's oh my it? God. A nap dress is like the whole like 2020 phenomenon of like, you can wear it to sleep, but it also is like a cute dress that like looks like a dress. Like oh, when yeah, you're- yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, I'm looking yeah. at it on, on Google image. Oh my right God. Now. Like, oh, oh, beautiful. Right. Beautiful. They're very like, yeah. and like, I haven't gotten a haircut. So my hair is like down to my butt. So everything's gotten like really Victorian. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. And so like, I was wearing my nap dress and like my hair was down and I realized I was just like, I'm witnessing myself. It was kind of this like, not tailspin, but like it was a, it was a train of thought where I was just like, what if I create things that only I get to witness? God, it's so hard. It, it is hard uh, because it is, I mean, God, it just, I'm sure you have this too. If you write something that you're very proud of and you actually don't send it to like three friends that you normally send it to, and you <laughs> sort of just sit with it. It's that yeah. is powerful, like sitting in that and being in a good mood because you've done something that you've pushed yourself in a way and no one was there to witness it. And there's something really beautiful about that. Yes. Cause like ultimately when it comes down to it, like, I don't know if you have this experience, but I like to play the piano and write when I'm alone. And like, in some ways I find that I, I almost like that, like secret piano time a little mm. bit better than airing piano time. There's something about it where it's like, since it's just for me, Mm-hmm. I know like this little treasure it's such a treasure and then god what a treasure it is to sh- then maybe eventually share it yes it's like then then when I feel ready I can kind of like like my bestie and I call them like baby bird songs where we're like I don't know if it's ready it's still like a baby bird mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah 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 oh my god are you kidding I'm the queen of whisper demos Yes. I love that. <laughs> but then it's also like, I've had to stop sending whisper demos because my parents, you know, my parents were one of the uh, true the recipients mm-hmm. and they would be like, can you send the lyrics, honey? And I'd be like, no, those aren't lyrics. Those are whispers. And those are whispers. <laughs> I don't send them unfinished things anymore. And I actually, the only time I'll send an unfinished song is to Nico or my friend Greta, who's Greta Morgan. She also mm-hmm. used to go by Springtime Carnivore. Now she's just going by Greta Morgan, but she's incredible. And she and I write together. And so I send her ideas of songs because I'm used to that. But mm-hmm. normally now I just really wait till a song is fully done to send it. Wow. Really vulnerable. Oh my God. I don't, yeah. I've cried on some demos and I'm immediately grossed out by myself. I'm like, ew, David. Yeah. I, I really... <laughs> I get such like cringe if I hear my if I'm listening back because there is something so self-serious in making music and I I'm so goofy and like I, I I'm too self-aware sometimes and too cringy at myself that I'll catch myself in moments of just like true raw emotional you know just rawness and I will be like ew <laughs> That self-awareness sounds like that might be that little like hiccup that we were talking about where like when it starts getting good that you almost pull back because it's, 
it's vulnerable and in a way like almost like dangerously sincere to sit with those emotions sometimes that you're like, oh no, I'm actually really feeling this. <laughs> oh my God, are you a therapist? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's exactly that. And I, I do get very scared to pull the curtain back because I think I already feel like I have imposter syndrome and I need to sort of make fun of, my, of myself constantly. Um, and so with, yeah, with songwriting, I'm just like, I, I, it, it, this record that's coming out is incredibly like minimal and vulnerable and it's yeah it's really like oof like sharing it all with the world and so I get very anxious releasing songs that are so you know but I also I mean I'm excited too because I do do the song and dance constantly and I perform a lot and I'm constantly joking and I, you know it it is nice to have a breather from that yeah it kind of reminds me of like your album doesn't sound like Tori Amos, but like it reminds me. Oh, I love Tori Amos. I was like, I love Tori and I love the contrast between like her extremely emotive songs. And then when she's in concert, she like tells these stories and just like is joking around and you're like, oh, what an interesting person. And then she plays this like heartrending song. And like, that's kind of the vibe I get where you're like, here's my collection of like some really big feelings. Also, I'm really funny. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, yeah. Oh, I love that. I mean, yeah, that's, God, I, I don't know. I actually only started listening to Tori Amos like at maybe in May because I kept posting these little like videos of me reading diary entries from my, you know, 12 year old, di- I mean, when I was 12. Mm-hmm. And people kept commenting Tori Amos, Amos vibes. And I had never listened to her. And so I finally was like, I wonder why. And then I noticed, you know, it's the same reason people say like Kate Bush vibes and yep. it's yep. singing that falsetto that's a bit theatrical and yep. I think I tend to do that so I think that but it I, I kind of love her yeah like maybe that's where I got the Tory vibe from I am down for the Tory vibes also bold move reading your journals like I've gone through my journals and I'm so glad that I'm not reading them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had insomnia like one of the many nights in core when I was like I can't sleep why oh because my brain doesn't have the right amount of stimulation right now because I can't go outside and everything's terrifying exactly. um, yeah I'm like no it makes sense that I can't sleep but I reread yeah. a bunch of my journals and realized that I would say like really 19 to 22 was like peak disaster person oh see that is okay I would never read a 19 to 22 or I only only do like 12, 13, 14 because 22, like, I feel like I'm still 22. That is too much to read. Oh my God. It was, it was visceral. Like my teenage ones are like kind of endearing. Oh my God. I love that. Oh my God. Yeah. I love when I find nice entries on my diary. I'm just like, oh, I'm so supportive. It really was. Yeah. The diaries are (laughs) I mean, I did have an enemy in college who I just like really wrote about who I just we pushed each other's buttons and I, I, oh God, I mean, I have such, I need to work through that stuff, but, um, it is, it is funny reading back on those things where it's like, God, I don't think I have an enemy. I don't think I've had an enemy since like I was 18, really, since that freshman year. Yeah. That's reading when you're nice about people. It's just, I mean, it's really crazy to read when you're not nice about people. (laughs) I'm like, I said that. Oh. And that's like, so and, you know, mine was just like, I know she's out to get me. I know she's doing this on purpose. So it actually wasn't necessarily <laughs> mean, but it was like paranoid. But I don't know. Maybe I was right though, but who knows? I'm wondering. I was just like, yeah, what were some of your like 12 year old insights that you were like, some of this was spot on, but some of this was cringe. I was like, what was 12 year old you up to? Oh, I just wanted a, I just wanted a boyfriend so badly. I wanted, that was all I cared about in life. And my parents sent me to an old girls school. So I, it was very like, Meh, I'm not doing so well in school. Ugh, when am I going to get a BS? Ugh, I just want to freak dance. <laughs> like, it was all about freak dancing. <laughs> Mine included, like, so many song lyrics. Like, I was like, oh, my God, like, no doubt, like, speaks to my soul. Oh, my God. Oh, my, my soul. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that is incredible. I was like, yeah. yeah I was, like, I'm listening fine. to Coldplay, being like, mm-hmm. I'm listening to Amsterdam right now, and I'm looking around my room, and it's just amazing. Memories are amazing. Like, <laughs> so, it's so funny. It's like, oh, God. Oh, and I detailed, like, who was at whose house, like, for, like, just, like, <gasps> yes! around. Yes! Like, <laughs> details. Yep, yep. It would be like, okay, so like Landon and Ryan were at Landon's house and we were there for a few hours and we went swimming. (laughs) Incredible, incredible Landon. By the way, Landon. Oh, that name already breaks my heart. 
Oh yeah, when you said cozy boy, I was like, <clears throat> okay. Oh. Uh, Oh, Land! Shout out to Cozy Boy Landon. Shout out to Landon. Landon actually, we I followed him on Insta. I haven't talked to him since high school, but like he does some pretty cool art these days. And I'm like, good job, Landon. Like, wait a minute, Landon. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> oh my god. Because yeah, especially when you do end up like living and creating in the city that you grew up in. I don't know if you have this experience of like almost like layered memories. It is trippy. It's it, and it, it, I also think about. I mean, I constantly think like, why I haven't left yet? Uh -oh. <laughs> oh no, cozy girl. It's cozy girl. It's you can't escape it. It's cozy girl forever. Cozy girl forever, especially with that much Taurus in your chart. I'm like, no, I get that. I can get through that. And it's why I love to date. I mean, I love to date cozy boys. Yep. Whereas I secretly, I like cozy because like I need more cozy because uh, low key, um, my moon is in Sagittarius, my rising is Aries. So I'm like a really well-meaning disaster person who goes all over the place, but actually does want like someone to be like, hey, have you thought of like staying home? Yeah, I know. <laughs> totally, totally. Oh, I love Aries, by the way. And Sag. I'm excited to see what comes out of this time because I'm not excited about the media during this time that's about COVID, which is frankly why I'm like not writing about it because I'm like, no, we're already in this, but I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what's going to come in the aftertimes? Oh, I can't, I wonder, I wonder about this all the time. I, I just, yeah, because it, 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 it's almost like too soon to write songs about a pandemic or too soon to make movies about a pandemic. Like, I think people will have this, there will be this sort of collective trauma. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think, I think people, I mean, that's why I really believe like, God, I mean, shows like Emily in Paris are thriving right now. And like these escapist shows that are just truly fun and popcorny and, and it, it, cause it is escapist people, people want to escape this reality. Yes. So that, you know, it's, it's, I mean, below deck med over here. Like <laughs> I, I, I fully binged like Emily in Paris, below deck med, like what else? I mean, and it, it was so, it made me the happiest I've been in quarantine. And to have content, like, really make you happy for being escapist in itself is just something I really cherish, in the, you know, even if my brain cells are being killed all <laughs> one by one. But I just love, you know, I love all that. I'm so grateful for it. But, yeah, I wonder what will come out of this in terms of, like, yeah, music, movies, you know, shows, all that. Yeah, because I feel like in some ways we've eliminated, like, the things that we don't necessarily have to do. Like, there are, like, there's a lot of, obviously, essential work that needs to be recognized. Like, there are still people that are working, obviously, in grocery stores to keep us fed. All of the medical workers yeah. keeping us alive. Oh like, there's people that are going through a completely different experience. But there's also yep. been people who aren't in essential work or are unemployed or are artists. Like, all sorts of other people who are just, like, okay, like, what's actually essential to my life and what's not? Like, what do I need to do and exactly. what do I not? And, like... It's like exactly. what happens when we get to restart society, essentially. Like, I'm, exactly. I'm, like, I'm so curious. <laughs> no, exactly. And I'm also I'm so aware of being stuck in my little bubble, you know, the Tuesday, 2 p.m. Silver Lake dog park or whatever bubble. <laughs> um, like, I know I'm, I'm, I really recognize that. And I'm very much like aware, especially in, in quarantine. I'm not a, an essential, I'm not an essential worker. I'm not going to a job every day. Like, I'm not putting my life on the line. Like, I'm really just, like, you know, in bed right now, like just, you know, talk on the phone, you know, and, and so I'm so hyper aware of it. And so this has been more of an introspective time where just not only am I like trying to just create things for me and my friends, really, I'm really trying to just, you know, figure out how I can best or be like my best self in, in operate and function in this world where I do think there is this divide of like, yeah, obviously fuck me I'm like I'm so annoying just for existing in this time like I just for sure like oh god like I'm complaining about anxiety and like but it is there is this also aspect where I have to be so compassionate with myself and be like no you actually have so many feelings because you're a human and yep. um yeah this time has been very interesting and like introspective in that way where I am fully aware of my privilege I'm fully aware of you know and then I'm trying to figure out like what can I do to like do I gotta do something yes and what can I do to help what can I do to like but then also at the same time it's like 
who needs me to help? You know, it's a bit, this is a bit of very like roller <laughs> yes, coaster. Yeah, kind of like caught up. Like I'm, I feel very similarly. It's been weird because it's like I get the essential worker view, but I also am safe at home. And I get like the weird introspection view because I'm also like an artist and all that stuff. But it's like, it's like having a foot in both worlds, but also recognizing my privilege that I can do essential work safely. Yeah. Um, but one of my coaches said, like, you're not helping anyone else with your suffering. Like, if you're yeah. suffering because you're not suffering and you're making yourself suffer, like, that's not actually helping other people who are suffering. Now you're yeah. all suffering. And I was like, oh, God, that's accurate. I have to get my head out of my own bottom. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> well, that is, you know, yeah. But suffering is, oh God, it's human condition. I just feel like loneliness and suffering is just part of it. It's just, yep. Yep. you know. And so I always, I'm just like, it's not going to help me to guilt myself for this. It's not going to help me. And it's certainly not going to help anyone else. Yeah, um, completely. And I think it is long-term. It's like going for the long-term. And again, back to the quick fixes, validation, or not validation, but quick fixes, immediate fixes. Um, I go to like, what can I do immediately? But it mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. is about what to do in the long-term for the generations and generations to come. And whether that's like start choosing to support different businesses, like coffee shops mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. that's a routine that becomes a routine and that will be you know weekly for however many years and that does that helps you know and and um I definitely have been like donating so much too to every every single thing I see yes. um, <laughs> but you know I for long-term change or just helping long-term I find I'm so interested in like what ways are sustainable yes Yes. Like I've been looking at like, what are sustainable businesses to invest in? Yes. But this really sparked me to be like, no, like I probably quite honestly will be okay. It's other people that won't be okay. Yeah. Um, and that that doesn't sit well with me. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I know. You're right. Yeah. It's like low key. I'm probably going to be fine. Um, yeah. But that that's not what matters to me. I'm like, oh, well, if everyone thought that way, then we'd end up with a very small island of very anxious people from the west side of LA. Ah, cozy <laughs> oh my God, cozy, cozy island. island. <laughs> cozy island. But also it's like COVID. I mean, that you can, you can, I mean, with, I mean, think about it, like with COVID, David, COVID, um, you, you know, my biggest fear is, having it and passing it on to someone who's actually going to could yes. die from it. And yes. um, that's sort of what it's like. It's like, uh, I don't want to, I know that, okay, if I got it, I'd, well, knock on wood, but I don't know. I, I think I'd be fine, but someone else wouldn't be fine that maybe I passed it on to. And that's mm -hmm. just, it's like, that's why I'm so paranoid. My, I'm not, I'm not as paranoid of getting it. I'm so paranoid of giving it. Me too. I'm paranoid. This whole time I've been like, I've been like, what if I'm one of the asymptomatic carriers and I accidentally, someone? like that's been, that's been my biggest fear. Like that I'm like, I don't want to accidentally do harm to mm -hmm. someone else. But then it made mm -hmm. me more of like, well, what are other ways I might be accidentally harming others? And like looking at like, cause now I've got <laughs> a lot more time. Um, yeah. Like looking at what are the systemic issues of like, how do I potentially accidentally cause harm to others? And how do I remedy that? How do I change those systems? And it's like little by little, but you're very, yeah. it's like, it gets overwhelming. Cause I'm like, why can't I change it right now? And it's like, yes. no, change it one step a day. It's okay. It's like, one step a day. <laughs> and it's the mentality. It's like, if more P, if, if, if everyone builds this men's the same mentality, then so much, you know, I, I, I'm very optimistic, but yeah. Yeah. I like what you said about making it a routine. I've been chaining mine to like, if I feel like not like buying an essentials, like not like buying groceries or something like that. But if mm -hmm. I feel like buying something um, because mm -hmm. I want a molecule of dopamine, um, I I have to donate to something. Oh, like, I gotta, I, yeah, if I want to. I do the same thing. Yeah. That's so funny. I literally have, wait, that, I do the same thing. Excellent. <laughs> my mom, it's funny. My mom growing up, if she, if she ever got me like a cute little, pre like a sweater or a yeah. dress, I, I would have to donate a dress from my, oh no no sorry if we went shopping mm -hmm. and I saw something that was really cute and I was like I was probably 13 at the time every time she'd say I will buy it for you but you have to give away three dresses so yes. I so it's <gasps> that mentality is followed like I, I've always like prescribed to that forever oh my god we had because it was we had it was in my parents room it's called the giveaway bag that was the exact same concept and then once you get like enough stuff to donate you take the bag but when you buy something new you had to put things in the giveaway bag 
Oh my God. That's so crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. We're so, it's so, we, we are, we are cousins. Yes. Sisters. <laughs> no, we went from cousins to sisters in the Seriously. course of the like, Seriously, I was just like, oh my God. Oh my it's God. So funny. <laughs> like, oh my God. It's so funny. Yeah. And that, and I was like, how do I do that now as an adult? <laughs> oh, yep. And there, here we are. And that's what we, wow. That is, yep. That is yep. what I do. I feel like I if our parents it. heard this podcast, our parents would be like, we're so proud. <laughs> oh my God, I know you should do that. I mean, you should do a pod. Have you done, have you had your parents on your podcast? I really want to have actually, I really want to have my dad on my podcast. Cause my dad is like, my original model of I do a million things. It definitely was my parents' influence um, on a lot of things, like both the like, you know, the giveaway bag and the donations, like being mindful yeah. of others. Um, but just the inspiration to be like, yeah, you go do all the million things you're really into. Like, have fun. <laughs> yeah, completely. And also just the freedom to like giving, being granted the freedom to do that by your parents, because we all care so much what our parents think of us. Yes. And so being granted that, I mean, just the privilege of freedom to do that is just incredible. Yeah. Like, I don't know if your parents were, were weird about you going into the arts. My parents were definitely like, make sure that like you also do the other things, like just in case I'm like, just in case what, like I'm an artist. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. Just in case I'm an artist, and they're like, "Yes, yes, and you're an artist." Um, oh yeah, no, my parents, my parents definitely like. I mean, yeah, I'm sure they would have loved for me to get into coding, but um, I, but they also like really under, you know, obviously they're just deeply entrenched in the arts, but they, my dad, my dad and my mom are just really all about hard work and really just giving every, you know, giving it mm -hmm. our all. And like really working hard, not just thinking things come to you. Like they really drill that out of our heads or pull that out. They were just like, you know, you got things do not come to you. I know they seem like they might, but they won't. You have to actually do the work. Yep. Yep. That was when you were talking about like getting A's in high school or not. That was the lesson of Harvard Westlake for me it was like, oh, you're really smart and talented. That's nice. Hmm. <laughs> Here, do some work. Then <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah my parents were much the same where it was like hey if you want to do music like do music but like think about all the ways you can do music and don't just think that because you can like write a catchy melody that everything's gonna just come to you like that's not how any of this works yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly so, oh my god that's so I feel like we, you and I are the same person it's kind like, of eerie. <laughs> it's very eerie. You just like keep speaking everything that I've spoken to myself. Just like, okay, great. You can write a catchy melody. Like, good for you. Now do the work. Yep. You know? Yep. <laughs> that's why I love like coming into studios and, and laying, like trying to figure out hooks for songs that are already yeah. been, like half made and they just need a melody. Like, mm -hmm. that's why I love doing that because it's just, I walk in, I go, like it's so it's just so silly and I just go in and I do the first instinct like I do it on instinct and it yep. usually ends up we make it work and then it feels like I've done so much work but really I've only just walked into a room and like hummed into a microphone and <laughs> it's, I call that a lot of work but I do think there isn't some like you know emotion it, it does require a lot of work in terms of just like getting in the mindset and then just feeling yourself in the moment but yes. I think that takes work that precedes that moment in the studio it's like months and months of just like wow getting to know yourself as an artist mm -hmm. or songwriter mm -hmm. it's all that like invisible work that like exactly oh, invisible work is a great title for something yes invisible work invisible work I feel like it's both like a feminist statement but also a song that I really want to hear that was recorded in the woods mm-hmm Totally. I just literally looked at the window and a leaf fell off the tree in the wind. And I was like, oh, that was just, that was tree. That oh. was so well-timed. Oh my God. Just now? Yeah. Like just now I was like, whoa. And it's a Disney movie. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. Where it's like, and now the protagonist has a realization. Leaf falls off. <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. That was amazing. Good job, Tree. Well, well done. Welcome, <laughs> Tree. Oh my gosh, it's been such a pleasure getting to talk. Oh God, this to you. Was like this is amazing. Yes, this is the best. <laughs> Seriously.
joking. This was the best. I had so much fun. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode. Thank you.